Another week and yet another conference. This time around, it's Lean Agile Brighton 2023. And me, your host, Ben Maynard, is going to be interviewing some of their best speakers to get their talks in 10. What can you expect from this conference? Well, hot topics that relate to the challenges of modern agility, how leadership needs to change, and how we need to fund products, not projects perhaps. So sit tight, it's going to be almost like you're there with us. Today's episode of the Product Agility Podcast comes with a special gift in association with Aha Slides, your go-to engagement tool for fun, engaging and effective learning and workshop experiences. Whether I am teaching the criticality of a clear and compelling product vision or facilitating a product strategy workshop, Aha Slides always makes it a more elevating and effective experience through its polls, quizzes and brainstorming tools. Discover how Aha Slides can elevate both your in-person or remote experiences by visiting Aha Slides and use the code AHAXPROD, which is also in the show notes, for a whopping 50% off of an annual subscription. And I find myself at Lean Agile Brighton still. Uh, they haven't kicked me out yet. And this is episode... Oh, something. Episode... <laughs> it's been a long day, Julia. Episode three or four. And we are here with Julia Harrison, who's talk on... Um, Oh, what was it? Leading smart people. Leading smart people. Leading smart people. Um, I managed to catch a bit of this talk, and it's a nice thing about Lena being at Lena Agile Brighton. Unlike the other conference I was at recently, I actually get to see some of the talks, and I loved your talk because it was very kind of coaching oriented. The bits, the bits that I saw. So, if you could give our listeners introduction to yourself and a quick overview of the talk, and then we'll take it from there. Sure. Um, so I've been a product leader for about five years. I got into product about 10 years ago. And before that, I did tech support and a whole bunch of other things, sort of got into it accidentally. Um, but really, I've always approached product from a kind of coaching agile. I've always been sort of the, the agile coaching product person in the team. And uh, the, the talk leading smart people originally came out because a lot of product managers can sometimes, especially early in their career, feel quite intimidated by being in this room with all these engineers who are really technical and maybe don't automatically have the most respect for the non-technical person in the team. Or even if they do, that person feels a bit of an imposter. And I wanted to talk about how you don't have to know everything that the team know in order to be able to lead them and get them to figure stuff out that they didn't know they could figure out. And that's, that's how we get onto coaching. Awesome. And I think this is a really interesting thing you say and something that I've found so often, particularly with people who are like technical experts and they've spent years and they, and they love their craft. You can't go in there and bullshit them and pretend like you know the things that you just don't know about. I mean, there are some situations where you can you know, talk about things in an abstract and it works, but for really technical people, and I think with, really, I mean, with product people as well, you can't, you can't blag it. You have to know your stuff if you're going to give advice. And so what you're saying is that using some coaching skills and having a coaching mindset helps to help the team move forward. So what were the... The, the tools, tips, techniques that you recommended within your talk? So the talk kind of hangs around Dan Pink's idea about intrinsic motivation um, being through giving people autonomy, mastery and purpose. So I refer back to those throughout the talk. And really it's around um, in order to give them purpose, you set a vision and a strategy, which as a product person is something I've obviously done a lot of anyway. But um, even if it's around ways of working, giving them a vision and a strategy for where you're headed is important. Um, and then mastery through coaching, helping them build up confidence as a team. They will learn from you when they see you asking powerful coaching questions. 
they will start um, taking that on and they'll start asking each other questions and they feel great because they're growing their ability to solve hard problems as a team you're growing your mastery as a coach it's all lovely um, and then finally the autonomy and there's, there's two sides to this because the talk started out um, about how you can give autonomy um, through setting principles and making it feel safe for people to know, even though you're not going to tell them what the answer is, you can probably all agree on some characteristics of what good does or doesn't look like. Um, and that you don't have to know what the answer is to know that it's not going to be some ways and it, it probably will have some characteristics. And that creates safety for a team because a complete blank page can be really worrying for some people but also the other side of autonomy is you need to get autonomy from the business and you do that by building partnerships not being that order taker team in the corner that they send requirements to and then chase you up every two weeks saying have you built it yet and and basically we end up talking about okrs it's not an okrs talk but we end up talking about okrs it feels to me like often maybe it's just the, the era we're in but all talks lead to okrs it feels like at some point um, and that's not a bad thing and that's not a bad thing they can be incredibly useful in the right context now i just say that i can kind of build a better picture in my own mind because i didn't see unfortunately the whole talk we're talking about things here is like, uh, this is the pattern or the, the, the steps that you take have you got a concrete example of like the vision of a strategy that was set and then how you worked with a team like a little story you can share or not the strategy is the one that i tend to come back to most because a lot of organizations are really good at setting a vision you know in in five years time we want to be the market leader in whatever it is or we want to have transformed whatever it is in the world and that's lovely and they tend to be quite good at the putting boots on the ground bit of the tactics and strategy there's usually something written it's either massively detailed that you have to get 30 pages in to really understand it, which is not, it's not easy to hold in your head and actually translate to your daily work. Or the other extreme, which is a strategy isn't a strategy unless it'll tell you what you might do, but also what, what you might not do. And I'm not going to name where it was, but I worked in a place where they'd had some feedback that the leadership team had not given them a clear strategy. So they came up with a really lovely, clear four-point strategy, and it's beautiful. Um, point number one was focused around people. Point number two was focused around tech debt because we'd had some problems with that. Focus number three was around quality because we wanted to up our game on quality. And focus number four was on delivery, and then they listed about 35 projects. And basically, point number four was do all the things and totally undid all the work of the first three things because do all all of the things is the opposite of a strategy and that's that's where I spend myself doing a lot of the coaching upwards and downwards because upwards it's with whoever the people are at the top of your organization saying we need to rule some things out here as well otherwise we could literally find ourselves doing anything because somebody has a bright idea during the year and then whatever comes out of that then translating that into okay and how does that turn into the daily work of the team so what led you to want to do a talk on this I think originally this came out of that problem that product managers have. So the, the topic leading smart people was very much um, around product managers who are not necessarily from a technical background um, feeling like imposters within their own teams. But everything that's kind of been added onto it since, because it's a, this talk's evolved a lot since I think I first did it in 2018, um, and everything that's kind of come in and out of this talk has been based on experiences that I've had or that I've spoken to other people about. Oh, God, yeah, that, that happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I should probably write something about that. <laughs> awesome. 
So where, where does the talk go from here? Are you intending to be at any other conferences or intending to involve it at all? That, it tends to be demand-driven. If I'm asked to deliver it at a particular um, event, I will try and find out about the audience of that event and see if it's something that can be tailored to them. Um, there's, a talk, there's a session which I run called Leading Smart... Uh, there's a session that I run called Being Awesome to Work With, which I will run anywhere for anyone. And that's based on comedy improvisation. It is the most fun you can have, which is why I will do that at the drop of the hat, drop of a hat, just because I love doing it. Um, and that's one of the things that's in the silent auction today. Um, so that's probably the one I'm more likely to do next. Yeah, I'm not sure about this talk. It might get a new lease of life. I thought I'd retired it a couple of years ago and it's come back again with a whole bunch of new content. So it might get retired or it, it, it might evolve into something else again. It'd be a miss of me. I mean, I wish I had a hat to drop and then you could do, we could do the workshop now, but unfortunately I haven't. Tell me a little bit more about this workshop because it sounds extremely interesting. So it's based on comedy improvisation, um, but it's very introvert friendly. I am, believe it or not, an introvert. I'm, I can be like chatty chatty, but then I need to go and be quiet in a darkened room somewhere. Um, but uh, it's very introvert friendly because nobody's asked to sort of exhibit themselves or, or perform in front of the group. Um, but it's it's all pairs games based on improvisation comedy and the goal of it is by the end you will have laughed a lot but also learnt some things about team dynamics about how we accidentally undermine each other in teams when we really don't mean to and just some little tweaks we can make in our day-to-day communications that can make us be an absolutely amazing teammate and the person that everybody wants to work with can you, I, i'm intrigued like, is there any, like cuz it's i mean it sounds honestly i hear i, I think comedy I love it could I see myself on the stage trying to tell jokes well my dad I've got a hundred dad jokes I could, I could maybe force myself to do that like a bit of karaoke improv scares the shit out of me uh, and, and so I, <laughs> I'm intrigued how can you make this introvert friendly so the really interesting thing about improv comedy is you don't try to be funny when you're learning comedy improvisation you tend to work with a partner or a team solo improvisation is pretty rare um and I'm not an expert in this at all. There are other, there are other people like the Maydays in Brighton who, you know, they do this as their job. I'm just somebody who's learned a bit of it and can teach it in this context. But um, the thing, when you first go on a comedy improvisation course, they teach you to not look for the funny, but look for the obvious. And everybody can find their obvious. And actually being funny doesn't help you build scenes. Building scenes is about being awesome to work with. And one of the very first things they they taught us on the course that I first went on was your job is not to look great it's to make your partner look great and that's where you can imagine how that translates then to working in a team and and being amazing to work with so it's all about building a scene together and by making your partner look great and then trying to make you look great you end up looking great as a partnership and that works in teams as well I suppose if people I mean I, I would love to go on this workshop by the way I suppose that if you're in a team and you're doing it with your team there's a, a super song more value than if you're doing it with a bunch of strangers in a conference it can work nicely that uh, it, it's it's one of those things where you can learn things from it that you can use on your own anyway um but when i was developing that workshop i was working with a team um these poor guys they must have <laughs> i think i think they each went on about six different versions of this same workshop but voluntarily they came back because it's improvisation every time it's different every time you will laugh every time you will pair up with the same person or a different person and you'll come up with new and silly things that you didn't think of beforehand and uh yeah doing that with a team that i was working with regularly absolutely it became part of our team's shorthand um but equally there's no reason as an individual in a team why you can't use that just 
on your own just to improve your own communications well i would love to experience this i'm guessing if they want to learn more about you they can go to linkedin if they want to learn more about the workshop or anything else is there anywhere other than linkedin that people can head to linkedin's the main place you'll find me there awesome thank you so much for your time and thank you everyone for listening thank you very much